Hello and welcome to Cyber 321, plain English cyber in three articles, two numbers and one action. It is July 8th, 2022. In the first of three articles this week, zero days are on the up. In the cyber world, a zero day means a security gap that has just been revealed in a piece of software. And the company that makes the software did not know about the gap until now, so it hasn't been able to plug the gap yet. Serious zero days could expose the users of the software to cyber attack, and this exposure would remain until the software vendor releases an update, also known as a patch, that fixes the problem, and the users of the software have installed the patch. As reported by CSO Online this week, Google's Project Zero team has counted almost 20 zero days in the last six months alone, with most targeting operating systems and browsers. In 2021, Google counted a total of 58 such zero days, while Mandiant, a cyber specialist, counted 80. This is only the number of zero days that we are aware of. If you have read This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends, which is an interesting and yet frightening read, we know that there are many nations, including the US and the UK, that know about other security gaps but have not told the software vendor because they are valuable cyber weapons. The CSO article mentions that some governments pay up to $2 million for exclusive rights to one zero day. The increasing prevalence of zero days is why you have to have multiple layers of security, so a weakness in one layer does not immediately cause the organisation to be exposed. Multiple layer security could include things like rigorous and responsive software update procedures, so you install any updates that fix these types of security gaps firewalls, antivirus and endpoint protection software, vulnerability scanners, which will alert you to known security gaps, also known as vulnerabilities. And don't forget the humans, because many of these zero-day attacks still rely on a human being fooled by an email. In the second article this week, the US Department of Defense wants to be hacked. Uh, Following on from the previous article about zero days, the record reports that the US Department of Defense is offering hackers monetary rewards if they discover significant gaps in the department's security defences. The concept is simple. Why wait until the bad guys find a way in? Instead, you should pay some good guys to try to find a way in first, so you can improve your security. The initial pilot phase will pay hackers the princely sum of $1,000 for each flaw they find, and if they find a real whopper, they could earn as much as $5,000. According to some reports, certain government agencies in the US will pay hackers $100,000 to $1 million or more for exclusive rights to certain hacks. So we wonder how can the US Department of Defence compete with that? And in the last of the three articles this week uh, is a survey from Hiscox, which is a provider of insurance products, including cyber insurance. According to their Cyber Readiness Report 2022, Almost two-thirds of respondents to their survey now have cyber insurance, either as a standalone policy or as part of another policy. This is up from 58% last year. Hiscox provides cyber insurance cover, so perhaps there is a bias in the numbers and the percentage across all businesses, rather than just the respondents to an insurance company survey, may be different. But given the benefits associated with the better policies, especially in relation to access to on-call instant response expertise, 
it does not surprise me that more firms are seeing the value in proper cyber cover. It also does not surprise me to see that policy application forms are increasingly asking very specific questions about the applicant's security defences. Not coincidentally, you would have the right answers to a lot of these questions if you follow my guidance in the basics. The first of two numbers this week is 80%, and that is, according to this Hiscox Cyber Readiness Report, 80% of survey respondents in Ireland that had experienced a ransomware attack last year paid the ransom. This compares to 63% of respondents in the UK. My initial reaction to this stat is that I don't believe it, that four in five ransomware victims in Ireland pay the ransom. But assuming it's true, I'm guessing that a large portion of this 80% paid because they did not have reliable and secure backups. I may be wrong, but I believe the primary reason why you would pay a ransom is because you can't restore your data from a backup. Perhaps because the attackers were able to corrupt the backups, or you didn't have a backup in the first place. I know ransomware attackers also now threaten to publish your stolen data if you don't pay the ransom. But do people seriously believe that you can trust them to keep their word if you pay that ransom? And if people are that naive, it's no surprise that ransomware victims are likely to get attacked again. Something I mentioned a few weeks ago. The second number this week is 22%, which is another statistic from the Hiscox Cyber Readiness Report, which shows that Irish respondents to the survey spent 22% of their IT budget on cybersecurity, similar to the seven other jurisdictions included in the survey. My next question is whether the organisation has a reasonable IT budget, because 22% of a poorly funded IT environment may not be enough, but 22% of the IT budget in a tech-led organisation may be excessive. I also find it interesting that we still express cybersecurity as a percentage of IT spend, even though we try to convince people that cybersecurity is as much about people and processes as it is about technology. Wouldn't the percentage of training budget spent on strengthening the organization's human defences be a more meaningful measure? Or perhaps it might reveal that the organization spends 10 times more showing office workers how to lift a box correctly than they do showing them how to spot a phishing email. And the action this week is to use a safe phone book. Remember when we each had a phone book at home where we could flick through the pages to find the address and phone number of any person in town? Well, believe it or not, computers have the same phone book. It's called a DNS service. When you type a web address into your browser, codeinmotion.ie is a great one, your device has no idea where the site is and it uses a DNS service to find out where to go. Now let's go back to the days of the paper phone book. Imagine if that phone book had a built-in security feature which removed the listing for any dodgy characters that it knew no one in the right mind would want to contact. Well, believe it or not, there are exactly these types of phone books online that remove the listings of dodgy characters in Internet Town. And best of all, many of these services are free. By using one of these DNS services, if you get fooled by a dodgy character's email and you click a link that would bring you to their website, your phone book may stop you getting there. It may not stop every dodgy character, but it certainly makes Internet Town a safer place to live. What's the name of one of these magical phone books? Quad9.net. Q-U-A-D-9.net.
how do you get your PC, laptop or mobile to use it, you follow the steps published at quad9.net. And P.S. Cisco Umbrella is an enterprise-grade solution which offers even more DNS-related protection. Cisco also provides some free and low-cost options for home and small businesses with up to five staff. You can read more about these options at opendns.com. That's it for this week. Until next time, take care.